Behind the Knife, the surgery podcast. Relevant and engaging content designed to help you dominate the day. Okay, welcome to another episode of BTK and uh, part of our series looking at opportunities outside of clinical medicine. I'm very pleased to have Dr. Amy Leitner who is the Chief Medical Officer for Direct Biologics. Amy, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So uh, obviously you've done a ton in colorectal surgery. You've you know been very, very high volume surgeon. You've done a lot of different trials. You've done some top of line research that we're going to get into here a little bit in terms of stem cells. But we're going to focus on uh, that last best that we're now talking about opportunities outside of clinical medicine and specifically with uh, working with industry. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey and then just about what you're doing right now? Yeah, so I got very interested in cell therapy actually as an undergraduate back early 2000s. And then during my residency, went back to Stanford, did a postdoc in stem cell biology. So it's always been a definite interest of mine. Um, it's something I've been very passionate about in clinical trials um, in my clinical practice. You know, certainly at Cleveland Clinic, and began consulting with this group about a year and a half ago. And they were looking at a stem cell derived product, and they moved through the FDA pretty quickly because of COVID. Because initially they were studying their product um, in ARDS, COVID related ARDS. So I started consulting with them. Thought that the science was very interesting. Um, we can't really scale cell therapy, but we can scale this therapy, which is a stem cell derived product, um, which can actually be lyophilized and stored at room temperature. And then started treating some of the patients at Cleveland Clinic on the transplant side under these emergency um, INDs where you do a single patient treatment at a time. And clinically, the product worked very, very well and got more and more interested in the science behind the product and then started working with the company more. And then they offered me an opportunity to come in and really lead the science effort and the clinical trial efforts. That's how I got introduced to them. So let's let's take a step up and maybe uh, away from the, your specifics in terms of stem cells, but just talk to me a little bit about making that jump, uh, going from hardcore academics, hundreds of papers published. You and I have done a textbook together uh, and all of a sudden, boom, you decide that you're going to go work for industry. So for the listener out there, you know, tell us a little bit about what that was like. Yeah, very challenging uh, decision. And I think a challenging jump because there are a lot of things in industry that, you know, we just haven't been exposed to along the way in academic medicine. So I think that it, the decision for me feels like on the industry side, we should have more influence by physicians because these products are ultimately being treated and being used in patients for the treatment of different disease processes. So it's good, I think, to have MD involvement to really understand the science, understand the disease. And I think that the the jump was really to get a skill set that I felt that um, can be challenging to learn on the academic side. So on the academic side, in terms of manufacturing a product in a CGMP lab, you're often not introduced to all of the quality metrics and scalability metrics that you have to use on the industry side. And so in order to really learn that skill set in terms of product manufacturing and doing phase three trials and international trials, you really need to step into industry to learn that. So felt that that would be a really valuable skill set. You know, if staying in industry or staying in academia, it's really good as a physician who's doing clinical trials to really understand 
um, the nuance of scalability and quality for product manufacturing, and then also running larger trials. You know, Amy, one of the things that you mentioned before you made that jump is you started out by consulting with industry. What What is that like? And what advice would you give to people who are either considering or want to do that, don't really know how to do that? And how, you know, we go to these different meetings and we'll see booths and we may have, you know, a rep, a local rep that we're friends with, but walk, walk us through that process. Yeah. So I think if there is a specific clinical indication that's of interest, you know, whether someone is more oriented toward the cancer side or the inflammatory bowel disease side or benign, whatever their clinical interest is, if there are certain trials that are being run by industry who is then the sponsor and they're interested in getting involved, they can kind of approach that sponsor about being a PI for their site. So saying, you know, I treat a lot of Crohn's disease, you are running this trial for Crohn's disease patients and I really want to be involved. And being a PI or a co-PI at your site can really start that dialogue and that engagement. And then typically they'll start working with you more about, okay, well now we want to think about going into another indication, ulcerative colitis or cancer or whatever that may be. And perhaps they need help in designing their clinical trial protocol, or they need help in terms of reaching out to other providers and setting up, you know, PI sponsor calls. And then you just get more engaged on clinical trial design and what they're thinking about in terms of patient populations and how they're going to study it and how they're working with the FDA and learning regulatory. And then the more and more that you kind of work with that sponsor, the more you learn, I think, over a longer term relationship. So tell us some things that you wish or a skill set that you wish you would have had uh, before kind of embarking in this. So I think two skill sets is one on the science side when you're in a CGMP manufacturing is really understanding the quality process, the quality, quality, there's a big umbrella of quality, QC, QA and process manufacturing that we don't have to do on the academic side. So being exposed to the idea of quality and the other is being exposed to the idea of um, phase three trials and what it means to really be an international multi-site trial and the different regulatory components of that as compared to being a single site in the United States trial. So definitely just a different, different skill set. So when working with industry, a lot of people have, you know, preconceived notions, uh, you know, the evil empire, uh, you know, you're going to the dark side, you've given up just in it for the money and stuff. Yeah, talk a little bit about that. Is it true? Is it, you know, is, is this just all a fallacy? Because, you know, obviously we work a fine line with industry. We have reliance upon them in many cases. You're a program national meeting chair. We, we meet with them and ask them for a sponsorship. We we need that innovation, that technology to drive things forward. And that somehow when you make the jump that you do, certain people out there are going to be like, oh, what a sellout. I can't believe she's doing that. So walk us through that. Yeah. So I think that I wish there was a way to integrate industry and academia better. I think that you're right that there's this perception that you're kind of selling out to industry. Um, a lot of times you actually make less in industry because there's a risk because you're you know, with an industry partner or a startup and unless it does well, they don't necessarily have the funds to, um, you know, pay the salaries that people may be thinking that people make. But I think that it's really important to integrate the two because we certainly need both. Um, you know, a lot of devices, for example, that we use in the OR, we would never be able to use if we didn't have industry working on those devices, but they needed the MD input to get there. And same on the biotech or the pharma side is that 
you know, we really wouldn't have been able to advance the science on biotech or advance the understanding of which clinical indications that their product should be used in if there wasn't a dialogue between the clinical side, which is often academic, advancing the science and the industry. So I think that there really needs to be more crosstalk, but how do we kind of create that bridge between the two? I think we could do better and hopefully, you know, this experience will make me better at that so that I could potentially mentor others in the future on how to do that. Um, but it is certainly a challenge because there's not necessarily a lot of crosstalk. There's the academic camp and the industry camp. And so how we integrate those two, because we definitely rely on each other, I think we could certainly do better. So not everybody's going to be able to do stem cells. So apart from the actual stem cells themselves, kind of take us up in uh, what, what do you like about uh, working with industry? What, what have you learned and what do you like? So I really like um, the different teams that you have to create. So there is a lot of working together and a lot of collaboration and then figuring out how to build those teams. So there's an R&D team to support the science. There's a manufacturing team to support manufacturing and product. And then there's a clinical operations team. And I think that um, being able to integrate those and building those teams has been a lot of fun. So that part of it, I think, is really fun on the industry side. And the other aspect that I love is I like the pace. So on industry, you have to move fast and you have to be first. And on academics, sometimes things just move a little slower. There's more processes in place. And so I like the speed of industry and feeling like you have this product that you're hoping to commercialize so you can get it into patients and they have a very large impact, but you need to do that quickly. Um, so that's one thing I really love. I have really learned a lot. It's been really challenging. I think there was a lot that I didn't know I didn't know. So it's definitely a lot of skill set on running clinical trials and then running manufacturing. But I think it is a great skill set to have, regardless if someone's in academics or industry. Is there anything that surprised you, either on the positive side or the the opportunity side? Thing that surprised me, I think that it is surprising to see the burn rate, the cost per month that goes into this. Um, I didn't think I realized how expensive it was to do drug development, and so it has been surprising to see all the data that you have to compile to get to the FDA for approvals before you can commercialize, and there's just a lot of spending that goes into that before you even know you're going to have a product that you can then sell. So I'm very surprised uh, by the infrastructure that's required and the financing that's required to sustain that. So I'm just hearing you talk. It, it sounds like, you know, gosh, I, how do I even prepare for this? Is Do I got to go get an MBA? Do I have to go to school? Or is it just you're bringing something to the table? Or if I'm thinking about, God, I'd always want to be able to do that. What, where do you go from there in terms of, is this a, is this an on the job training or what are we talking about? I think it depends on which aspect you want to be. So if you're in industry and you're going to go lead R and D, then a PhD or an MD who's done a lot of research, you're going to be well equipped to run an R and D lab because it's very similar to academics. If you're going in to run manufacturing and run the CGMP program, then it is very helpful to have done some science, but then also really create a lot of learning experience, whether that be from webinars or courses with the FDA to understand the regulation that goes into that process. And if you're hoping to advance from CMO to you know CEO and be able to run that biotech or run the device company that you're working with, I think an MBA can certainly be helpful because financing and continual ongoing financing and then transitioning potentially from private to public and how you do that, I think you would 
largely need an MBA or you'd certainly have more credibility with an MBA to be able to do that. So what have you been fearful of in this journey? So in this journey, I think fearful of two things is one fearful of it is very uncomfortable to change from um, something that is very familiar. So in academics, you have the familiarity of writing papers and doing our committees and having a you know, high volume surgical practice and treating patients every day and stepping into something where there's a lot of unknowns. So like I said, there were a lot of things I didn't know I didn't know. Um, so it's a very big learning curve and there's just a lot of learning. And so it's it was more learning than I anticipated very quickly. And I think the other fearable thing is not doing something entirely traditional in terms of an academic traditional path. It's challenging um, to know how you're going to integrate back into that or what that might look like. So when you step out of a traditional path of kind of leadership roles in academia is how do you integrate the skill set that you learned from industry back into academics and how do you make that work so that you can hopefully mentor people in the future that may want to choose a different path? Yeah, I think that last point is very interesting. And obviously you're just in your infancy of kind of the crossover of you of that jump. And so, you know, future plans, whether it is back in academic surgery or whether it's integrated in academic surgery or staying in industry, I think that's a that's another chapter that remains to be written. So um, if I'm out there and I'm like, okay, I need a mentor in this. Did you seek out a mentor? Is there somebody that you kind of talk to or is it, uh, did you just talk to mostly industry people or did you seek other people that had made that jump or how did you go about that? So there's not a lot of people that I, that have done this. Um, the mentorship that I had and the very interesting like, conversations that I had right before deciding to do this were actually at a Fogarty Institute. So Dr. Fogarty, he started, he's been inventing, you know, we all know about Fogarty catheter, Fogarty balloon. He's been inventing for a very, very long time. And he always, um, kept his foot in the door in terms of clinical practice. And interestingly, he has set up a Fogarty Institute, which is a nonprofit institute um, just outside Stanford. And it's a think tank. So there's 23, between 23 and 25 um, early phase companies, so pre-series A companies. And the idea is that they are there to develop their technology and to get into their series B rays and get them into clinical trials. And um, Dr. Bogarty, I think, is an example of someone that has tried to really bridge academics and innovation and industry. And so had some very interesting conversations about if you want to make an impact on patients or if you want to really impact the disease process, being able to both treat patients as a surgeon, but then also bridge to industry and develop something that could treat thousands of patients is very, very rewarding. And so to have the opportunity to have a product or a drug that you really believe in that you think is going to be high impact in a disease process and you feel like that's going to make an impact in the next generation of medical therapy. He said that that was what he loved about balancing industry and academia. And I felt like that really resonated um, and was something that I really wanted to learn how to do. So final words of advice or recommendations for those listening out here who are thinking about making this jump or are in the infancy of the jump, what would you say? I would say to certainly think about it and talk to mentors in this space and really try to understand why. You know, why do you want to make this jump? Is it something where you want to learn a skill set and bring it back into your practice? Is it something where you've decided you want to make a jump and be in industry full time going forward? 
but really understand, you know, what is the motivation? So what is it about this jump that resonates with you and what are your long-term goals? Um, and what motivates you to do this? So I think understanding that to kind of understand how to make the jump and what position you're going to take is really important. Well, we appreciate you taking the time out and congratulations on all of your successes. And we wish you, wish you just the best for uh, kind of your future endeavors. So thanks for joining us on BTK. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Be sure to check out our website at www.behindthenife.org for more great content. You can also follow us on Twitter at Behind the Knife and Instagram at Behind the Knife Podcast. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a review. Content produced by Behind the Knife is intended for health professionals and is for educational purposes only. We do not diagnose, treat, or offer patient-specific advice. Thank you for listening. Until next time, dominate the day.